0: The new AM740.
1: From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil? The boys are back. Let's talk sports.
2: Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good morning, Wally. Good. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, to all those on the road yeah. on this weekend, be safe. Uh, a little drive on the 400 this morning. Uh, all the boys in blue are out this morning, so uh, be careful with your speed limit, drive safely, and uh, preserve your money and your points. And uh, next week <laughs> is
3: the Indy here. The Indy is next week here, so it'll so, be pretty packed down here again.
2: Anyways, uh, Naz... Uh, as our producer Sebastian, this morning, he's given you a new, uh, new nickname. We're now for, from henceforth, you'll be known as Naz the Prophet Marchese. Oh uh, wow! Well, your prediction came to pass, as many of your predictions do, and uh, we'll give you a, a uh, we'll give you a little pat on the back for calling the uh, John Tavares. You were ahead of that one, Naz. You'd been calling for that one for a while, and uh, that happened uh, last weekend. And uh, certainly, um, it's amazing. It's, uh, it could be 100 degrees outside outside or 39 degrees Celsius, but somehow hockey still drives the needle in the uh, so called center of the hockey universe, being the greater Toronto area. And uh, hockey, of course, was the big, big story last weekend. It's been the big, big story this week. And, of course, the story the signing of John Tavares. Yeah,
3: I remember when uh, Mike Babcock was interviewed a couple of times, and he said that uh, he would you'll see the Southern Ontario players come back because they want to play here. And Tavares is a perfect example of a Southern Ontario kid coming back and wanting to play here. And uh, Stamkos was very close last year. The reason why he didn't come was because he didn't feel that the Leafs were competitive enough two years ago when they went after him, right? And it's changed, and I think Stamkos in this situation would have taken the leaf Uh, offer. Yeah, Tavares. Tavares is here, and, uh, it could have been Stamkos.
2: H- hometown boy John Tavares and uh, shortly after the first break we'll be talking to a senior hockey writer for uh, the Post Media Network Michael Trakos who's been all over the uh, John Tavares story and he's uh, had a couple of, uh, c- couple of talks with uh, Lou Lamorello this week as well so we're uh, certainly looking forward to talking to uh, and getting the insight of Michael Trakos who's uh, always has his pulse on these stories and uh, in the middle of the hour uh, former player for the Toronto Maple Leafs, following up on the story that we've been close to uh, for for a while. Uh, of course, the uh, NHL uh, concussion litigation. We'll be talking to former Toronto Maple Leaf Kurt Walker. Um, that'll be at the bottom end. He of was one tough guy. Out he tough. certainly was. But getting back to Tavares, and you make a you make a good point, uh, Neves, Um It's always been the sense that. Um, uh, Toronto hasn't been the most uh, attractive market to bring free agents uh, here, and the tide seems to be turning. Um, uh, we thought we had a good shot at Steve Stamkos a year ago, and for whatever reason, and I think I think you've hit the nail on the head, Naz. He thought he had he thought he had a better opportunity of winning, and and you know, and it's you know, in spite of in spite of hockey being a business, and of course it is um and and in spite of players wanting to maximize their return and of course they do mm-hmm. and they'd be crazy if they didn't want to grab every last dollar that's on the table uh, careers are short you're one injury away from uh, from your career being term uh, ending um you never know what the future is going to hold when you're a professional athlete, so by all means, grab every last dollar you can. And and the rumor is, uh, and and John Tavares, uh, I wouldn't say he ducked the question; he just felt it was an inappropriate question. Um, uh, it's been reported that perhaps he could have made more money elsewhere, um, and it comes down to competitive athletes. You forget that they, uh, you know, it takes something special to make the nhl really it does uh and 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 you have to have a high level of competitiveness uh, to be able to achieve sporting success at that level and these guys generally are winners and they like to win and now toronto has through the efforts of uh mike babcock brendan shanahan kyle dubas and and everyone else associated with MLSE, uh, I guess they're getting a reputation around the league, NAS, that this is this is the place. This is, this is, the, is the, place the place to be. To be. Yep. Uh, the place there to be. are things happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs and in, in, the, in, the, in the in the Toronto hockey franchise. Of course, Toronto, in and of itself, as a city, is an outstanding place. Aside from the traffic problems, an outstanding place to live. It offers so much. Um, in terms of so many different uh, things that a, that a world class city can offer, uh, and then and then you know it's you know if you want to be the center of attention and you really want to leave a legacy as a hockey player, um, you got an opportunity to be in the thick of a Stanley Cup run in Toronto. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm a professional athlete, if I'm a professional hockey player, uh, and I've got that kind of juices running through me, this is the place I want to be right now.
3: Wally, I think Tavares is going to end up making more money because of endorsements. Nobody has said that yet, but I think John Tavares is the perfect, perfect player for endorsements in the city of Toronto. I don't know what kind of money can be made in that, but I'm sure it's more than the $2 million he would have drawn extra in salary in San Jose or the Islanders, right? So I think Tavares would do very, very well on the endorsement side.
2: Oh, there's no question. Um, there's no question he's going to do well on the endorsement side. And we're going to talk to Michael Trakos about John Tavares as, as a hockey player. Um, um, I mean... Um, the amount of what he can make in endorsements here—I I don't know what the exact numbers are. I remember when they when they made the presentation to Stamkos, they were throwing. They brought Canadian Tire in on that yeah. presentation. Uh, they threw they threw around the figure of millions of dollars, and then you know we went through the analysis. Uh, uh, that player agent, what was his Anton Tun? We went through the analysis of you know why why sometimes I've certainly playing in in the Florida. You can make less money and make more money at the same time because because in Texas you you got to factor in after tax income. So these things can get extremely complex. And once you get the tax attorneys and the tax lawyers involved, uh, you know you got to get to the bottom line. So you know tax rates in uh, Canada. I don't you know we we'd like to take away. I don't want to get upset. Um, We we don't like. I don't want to get into that discussion. Let's not get into. But uh, we're probably all not that competitive. Uh, certainly with the American franchises and certainly with the Florida and Texas and some of the other low-tax jurisdictions. Uh, um, So the bottom line in Toronto, obviously it's attractive enough for John Tavares. Um, I... I you know, I, I, I can't read John Tavares' mind. We can talk to Michael Tracos, who had the opportunity to talk to him. Um, but the sense I got in believing, the, uh, you know, hearing, it, it came down to two factors. An opportunity to win. Where is his best opportunity of winning? And Toronto offered, uh, afforded a better opportunity than the Islanders. And you know what? (laughs) I guess that picture, I'm sure you saw that picture that circulated around the web of a little John Tavares. I think he was like four uh, or five years old in his pajamas with his Toronto Maple Leaf pillow and his Toronto Maple Leaf blanket. And I mean, his entire bedroom was Toronto Maple Leaf paraphernalia. So, you know, you know, at the end of the day you know hockey players they grow up having you know i mean we we tend to get very cynical about these things and it's all about money and of course it is but you know sometimes with these with these professional athletes you know there is there is something going through their veins about that little kid inside of them that says I have to play in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform at some time in my career, and I, I think Gretzky said it at once. He, the, Gretzky, it was very close. Gretzky coming here, but this is at the tail end of his career. Yeah, Ninety six, and I think he, he sort of regretted that they didn't they didn't bring him in. Lindros wanted to play for the Leafs, but he came in late in his eventually career. He did. But Tavares is getting an opportunity to play with his beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. Not you know beloved as, as a young prime. man in his in prime. In his prime, with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, uh, Nylander, Kapanen, Johnson, you know Morgan Riley. Uh, you know, you know, you fill a couple of more holes on the D, and uh, and they've already been installed as as betting favorites. Vegas is already has them in as uh, I think it's six to one. Right after the Tavares signing, they they put them in as betting favorites. Mm. I don't put a lot of stock in that because they had them as betting favorites last summer too. Um, but certainly, uh, it's been the talk of the city. Uh, it's going to be the talk of Toronto and, uh, as training camp approaches. Uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fans are getting excited, um, and it looks like it's going to be uh, going to be a fun ride this uh, this year. Ness. A couple of weeks ago, I said that Austin Matthews would benefit
3: from Tavares coming here because you asked me the question two weeks ago if uh, Austin Matthews would not would be second fiddle. He doesn't have to be second fiddle. He could be one and one A, and uh, I think it'll work out. And, these guys, and the reason why Babcock went to Arizona was to talk to Matthews uh, well, Maybe Matt they had
2: a little bit of inside knowledge ours, yes. at that time. Yes. Anyway, so uh, we've got to go to break. Um, uh, we, we'll be obviously talking a little bit more about this with senior, hawker, senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network, Michael Tracos. We'll be right back.
4: It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realized there comes a time when one must ask the question, who am I? Sure, I'm known for my suave, silky voice, my leading man good looks, especially now that the rash on my forehead has cleared up. But who are my ancestors? The people who made me, me. I had my DNA tested, and as it turns out, I'm 73% Italian. No wonder I had chest hair in grade two. It all makes sense now. The first words I spoke were with my hands. That's why I love Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. It's as Italian as the country I'm from. I've decided to visit the old country and explore my Italian roots. You can come too. Now, where'd I put my tight pants? Stay tuned for my Italian trip home. Pizzaville
0: stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian.
3: There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigobon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs,
1: good enough is not enough. Rigobon Carly, the intelligent choice.
5: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
1: The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto in the new AM 740, downtown Toronto. We are also on 96.7 FM on the internet, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. Tune in there and you can see Naz wearing his Jose Batista sweater this morning. Anyways, uh, we'll talk chat about that a little bit later. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network, We're, of course, Talking about Michael Tracos. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey guys, how you doing this morning? We're doing great. Thanks so much. I know. Uh, I know you're probably hoping for a nice, peaceful summer, you know, uh, away from all the hockey stuff. But everything got. All excited in Toronto this week. And uh, you've been busy this week, Michael. I uh, uh, want to tell our listeners you've been uh, doing some great work on the Jeff Blair show on Fan 590, and you'll also be on that show uh, this week as well. Great work on that show, uh, Michael. But. Uh, oh, thanks, guys. Uh, hockey, uh, hockey is uh, driving the needle again in spite of this fantastic weather. And, of course, the big story this week is the John Tavares signing. Uh, Michael, were you surprised by it at all?
6: Oh, completely surprised. Uh, I was taken aback by the fact that he was even going to be a free agent, let alone go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, you know, you know what, uh, as a, the negotiation period went on and on, it just seemed more and more likely that a return to Long Island wasn't going to happen. And I think when that happened and it became um, really up to five other teams, the Leafs included, there was no way that he was going to go to either San Jose or Dallas or Tampa Bay over Toronto. Um, I thought that once he became a free agent, it was really in Toronto's hands to grab this guy. And they just had more and more ammunition and uh, what have you in bringing him there. And obviously, there's the hometown reason for uh, signing a guy from Mississauga, but beyond that, I think Toronto, when you look at their roster up and down, there's so much youth there, but there's so much potential as well, and I think even without John Ferris, this was a top five contending team in the NHL this season, and um, now you add this guy to that puzzle, and there's not a whole lot of pressure there where he goes to maybe another market, maybe a Boston or somewhere else, um, I don't think he has quite the supporting cast that he does have, at least.
3: Michael, uh, he was targeted last year, Austin Matthews. Does this help him shake the uh, opponents off, so to speak?
6: For Austin Matthews? Or yes, for Traveris, Austin Matthews.
3: How does he benefit from Tavares? Oh, he
6: benefits greatly. Uh, I think John Tavares is going to be the captain, so... You add um, a captain to your team, and for a twenty-year-old, that takes immense pressure off in terms of the day-to-day off-ice responsibilities, and doesn't have to be sort of the answer every time the, the team the team loses or he's going through a little bit of a, a dry spell. Um, beyond that, it's similar to what Pittsburgh has with Crosby and Malkin. It's now pick your poison. You target the Matthews line, you target the Tavaris line, and you know what, we're not even mentioning how Nazem Kadri benefits from all this and really he's taken a Tyler Bozak position where he's going to be their number three center, but still they're probably shut down guys, so um, I think all three centers are the benefit really when they all put up 100 point seasons, but uh, I can see a scenario where Toronto Maple Leafs have three to four guys on the top of scoring.
2: Uh, we're talking to Michael Tracos. Michael, Michael, uh... We want to, uh, you know, everybody's thrilled that John Tavares is coming coming to Toronto. He's obviously a hometown, um, a hometown boy. Everybody's known about him since his minor hockey days with the Toronto Marlies. In fact, as soon as we signed him, uh, um, you know, the old city TV uh, vignette with Jim McKinney resurfaced of him being a 14-year-old with the Toronto Marlies. So Tavares had star written all over him in this market since he was a young, young boy. Um, You're a keen observer of hockey players. What makes John Tavares a great hockey player?
6: Well, his speed is not going to stand out. He doesn't have a shot that you would rank with Matthews or anyone in the league. Um, And that being said, this guy is one of the elite centers. I would put him right behind Crosby, McDavid, Malkin. Uh, maybe just behind Kopitar and Bergeron in, in that next kind of class of centers. And the reason why I put him there is his hockey IQ. I don't think anyone thinks the game played as well as John Tavares does. And from inside the blue line, I don't think anyone can really handle the puck uh, in danger zone uh, as well as he has, too. So yeah, he, he doesn't have that blazing speed. He doesn't have that booming shot. But this is a guy that knows how to put up points year after year after year. And like you said, he's been the guy since he was a kid in Toronto and coming up he was the first guy to get exceptional status I think a lot of people forget that Uh, he really paved the way for the McDavid the Ekblad of the world so um, he's always had that pressure I know a lot lot of the questions when he got announced as a Toronto Maple Leaf was okay well how are you going to handle the media how are you going to handle being in uh, the biggest hockey market in the NHL well you know, when you're the first guy to get exceptional status, when, you're, when Sports Illustrated is doing stories on you as a 14-year-old, you've got pressure from that point on. And um, a lot of people also forget that John Tavares' uncle is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, lacrosse players in, in the world. So, um, you know, he's always been kind of around people or had the spotlight on him. So this is nothing new to him. I know it's a different animal than what he faced in New York, but it's not a whole lot different than what he faced as a youngster growing up.
3: Wally and I were talking about this earlier, uh, about uh, endorsement money. How much could Tavares make on the market in Toronto, endorsement-wise?
6: I wouldn't be surprised if he makes more off the ice than he does on the ice boys. And, wow. you know, especially if he gets the Z on his jersey. And that's a huge selling point. When they tried to attract Steven Stamkos to Toronto, remember, they had the president of Canadian Tire there just outlining how he was going to be the face of everything associated with that company. And trust me, there's companies lining up to not only get the captain of the Leafs on board, but a Mississauga-born player at the boot and one that's already a proven superstar. Uh, I think if you run around the city and you said um, a year ago who John Tavares is, uh, most people would know who that is. Now you put him in the Toronto Maple Leafs jersey and <laughs> the guy's immensely popular. Uh, I saw pictures yesterday at the Argo game um, from people on Twitter. and You went to the everyone. Argos game? Maybe <laughs> You
3: went to the Argos game? I didn't no, think you liked the Argos. No,
6: but I thought Tavares jerseys there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> so people are already buying the jerseys. I didn't even know they were making them yet. So oh, wow. that tells you just how popular this guy is. I don't know. You know at the end of the day, maybe it's going to be half and half with Tavares, uh, Matthews, and maybe even Martin is going to have a lot of that popularity. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Tavares becomes that next kind of Gilmore or Sundin where, you know, even if he's not the best player in the Leafs and let, let's face it, they still have Austin Matthews who may be better than Tavares is at this day, never mind a year or two from now. Um, I still think he's going to be maybe the most popular Leaf um, when all is said and done.
2: Uh, I would I, I back you a hundred percent on that one uh, uh michael um you've been um talking to michael tracos uh, senior hockey writer uh, for the national uh, for the post media network uh, michael you've uh, been all over this story from a whole bunch of different angles this week and uh you've actually had the opportunity to talk to lou lamorello this week and uh right. and uh i know you've had uh, in-depth conversations with lou uh in your uh, first of all, what uh, just give us a sense of what questions you put to Lou, and how uh, how Lamorello has has reacted to this uh, from a New York Islander point of view?
6: Yeah, I'll first then I start off with, I got all the time in the world for a guy like Lou Lamorello, and I think um, at times during his tenure in Toronto, we kind of painted him as the bogeyman or as a kind of dom Toulon, uh kind of figure there that <laughs> um, you wouldn't want to cross and. Um, and maybe there's a, an inkling of truth to that in the sense that he values loyalty like no one else, but he, he's also uh, you know, one of the kindest uh, gentlemen, whether it's to uh, his employees or to the media. Um, like I said, I have nothing but respect for um, him in terms of dealing with him and what he was able to bring uh, to Toronto. And I think what he was able to bring to Toronto um, is going to be valued um, really like in an intangible way uh, because he brought a culture that was, lacking in a professionalism that was just not even there. So um, Kyle Dubas really had a, a table set for him where Lamarillo stepped into a, a city and a market that was dying for um, really someone to put out the fires and get it on the right track. And I think Lou did that in a real short period of time. So in saying all that, uh, what I was asking Lou was how does, you know, like how, how do you prepare for life after the virus and how shocking was this? And, you know, it, To his credit, uh, I think he was hopeful that Tavares would sign with the Islanders, but he wasn't putting all his eggs in one basket. He already had Barry Trotz lined up as a coach. It wasn't a contingent on them signing Tavares. So even without him, he's got a ton of prospects going in um, right now in their farm system. He's got a Stanley Cup winning coach. They're going to have a new arena built in a few years, so the Islanders are going to be fine. it's Lemieux said this uh, this team that he's taken over in New York is nowhere close to uh, the team that he took over in Toronto. So they actually have pieces in place. They got Barzell there, Matthew Barzell, who won the Calder Trophy uh, this season as the top rookie. He actually finished with one point more than Tavares, if anyone's keeping track there. So um, yeah, well, we'll see what the Islanders are. I still think they're going to be a bottom five team, and that they're going to have to continue building through the draft and they got some interesting pieces in free agency, whether it's Andres Lee or Jordan Everly, um, that they can move this season. I think that's going to be the way that they um, build that team up.
3: The second uh, team, most popular team in this city is the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and uh, Shea Weber went down now. What's what's going on? What can they do, Michael?
6: I don't know what you can do. <laughs> Even if Weber wasn't going down points, like, what do you do in that situation where you've got Shea on – contract for what is it seven or eight years uh, remaining and now you've got carrie price with his contract kicking in for eight years and you rebuild when you've got two guys who you can't move as free agents. it's it's a nasty situation like they, they need everything right now they need a number one a number two center they need a number one a number two defenseman they're, they're in a lot of trouble and Shea going down just is gonna really amplify things there so yeah, you, you're the second most popular team. <laughs> it might move down to number three now.
3: Yeah, Tyler Sagan comes up next summer. I wonder if they'll go after him.
6: Montreal. Yeah, but it's a hard sell. Like, it is a hard sell. The thing. reason why the Leafs get Tavares isn't because they said, hey, we're a big market. We want to get you here and you can be the savior. Like No one wants to actually do that. So if you're in the Montreal Canadiens, you say to Sagan, hey, you can come here and all the pressure will be on you. He's like, yeah, no thanks. I'd rather go somewhere where there's already – pieces in place where I can be the number one center and there's a number one B uh, along with me. I think that's the ideal scenario for most guys. And I remember Montreal didn't even have a seat at the table for Tavares. And uh, They wanted him. There's no question they would have offered him um, everything the Leafs offered and more. What they couldn't offer him was the same kind of setup with uh, the Leafs offered where you, you have a Matthews, you have a Kadri, you've got a uh, not only a Babcock coaching the team, but you've got a smart guy in Dubas uh, running things behind the scenes. You're really going to go to a team that Mark Bergevin is running?
2: No, thank you. <laughs> no, I don't disagree with you there, Michael. Just a, a couple of more minutes, Michael, then we'll let you we'll let you get on with your day. Uh, another interesting signing the Toronto Maple Leafs made this week. That's sort of below the radar screen, but when I saw it, you know, I, I looked a little bit further into it, and I said, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, one year contract. This kid that used to play for the Buffalo Sabers, Tyler Ennis. Yeah. And um all I remember about uh, Ennis is he can be a damn good hockey player. Uh uh he's played he's actually capable of playing the game at a world-class level, but obviously he's not he hasn't been able to consistently do that. I remember him playing in, in a Canada-Russia game where Canada obliterated the Russians in a world right. championship. And he was one of their best players on the ice in that game. He was all over the ice. Then his career seems to have gone off the rails, floated between Buffalo and Minnesota and wherever else. And I think, the, I think if I'm not mistaken, the Wild just said enough of this and they just bought out his contract. Um, your impression of that signing, and uh, my gut tells me there might be a little bit of an upside on this signing.
6: It was a sneaky good signing, in my opinion. Well, First of all, you get the guy at 650000 so that's league minimum money. So if it doesn't work out, you wipe your hands clean with that one in a day, right? And the other thing about Tyler Ennis is he's a winger, but he can play on the center spot. He has done that in Buffalo. He um, can play left wing and right wing. He um, can play in a pinch on your number two line, but he's got the speed that Babcock loves, where you can play him on your number four line. One thing I don't know about him, and maybe you guys know a little bit more about this, is can he kill penalties? Because that's sorely what the Leafs maybe are missing now with the losses of Bozak and Komarov. And, you know, like, if one of the kids don't work out, like if Kapanen doesn't work out or Janssen doesn't work out, say if they take a step backwards, um, maybe even a Connor Brown gets injured, Tyler Ennis is a great depth acquisition. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's all reward, no risk. So uh, let's see if this reclamation project (laughs) of work out for them. The
3: the other teams in Canada, uh, we were talking about this earlier. uh, It seems like the lease is the destination point for everybody. And uh, the other teams in Canada have great difficulty getting free agents to go there. Do you agree with that?
6: I'm sorry. uh, I don't know if it was my signal there. I barely heard the question. Can you repeat it?
3: Toronto's become the destination point for all the Canadian franchises, of all the Canadian franchises for free agents. It seems like the other Canadian teams have difficulty getting uh, players in. Do you see that like I do?
4: Yeah, well, take away the
6: notion that it's a Canadian team or a non-Canadian team and just say, like, free agents want to go to winners. Hmm. Like, there's talk about, like, I, I did a story right before free agency about how Vegas has now become the top three destination in the league. And it's not just because it's a tax-free, a tax-free state and that it's warm and that you're right on the strip. Like, take that whole thing away. Like, people just want to be on a winner, and George McPhee has built a winner there in one short year. So that sends reverberations around the league. So um, the idea that maybe Toronto is now a hotspot destination for a free agent doesn't surprise me because – think a lot of players can see what's being built there and who doesn't want to be part of a first Stanley cup winning team since 1967 like basically even if you're a 13th forward you might have a street named after you (laughs) and i I, i think that matters to a lot of people is winning um above all and that's including money that's including temperature that's including how much you're paying in taxes
2: it certainly it certainly does. Michael, we're gonna let you go, but before we do, I knew uh you're one of you're one of the astute observers that I follow on Twitter and I know there's another sport that you've been watching, so we'll uh we'll ask you for your prediction. The World Cup of Soccer. Oh man, I've been who, wrong so many times. <laughs> <laughs> who have you uh we're down to four. And yeah. uh, who have you uh from what you see, who would you, if you had a bet, uh who would you put your money on? I really want to see England go
6: there. Um, I'd love to see, I guess, an England-France final. Um, And then from there, you know, I just want to see a competitive game. I'd love to see actually England maybe win the whole thing just because without Italy there, boys, it seems like we're missing that buzz team, right? And um, England, I think, I was watching with a lot of kind of, I guess they're English fans because they have some sort of ancestry there, but it it was nothing like uh, watching that, um, yesterday compared to just a run in the milk um and game yeah i would so, t- i'm saying england over france michael yeah. here's
3: a prediction for you england is 52 years hasn't won a world cha- world cup they're going to win and the lease is going to be 52 years and they're going to win the cup
6: I'm How not going that. Yet? I'm not going there.
2: <laughs> you know what? I had to <laughs> Boy, did you
6: guys
2: make that prediction. <laughs> uh, Naz, Naz, Naz is making predictions all the time in fact. He's taking credit for the Tavares signing prediction. He was he was touting that on the show like months ago. So uh is that right? I, I had to give him I had to give him the moniker the prophet this morning. So uh henceforth it's Naz the Prophet Marchese. So uh 52 right. years 52 I, years uh I would love to see England win as well. I mean uh you know, it's sort of a cradle of soccer as well. The Premier league has been uh, you know it's created quite a bit of fan interest in the last few years and uh, I was kind of hoping for a better result from Iceland who I had adopted but (laughs) hopefully the English will let me jump on their bandwagon this week Michael
3: you got to hear this uh, Wally's uh, favorite player is Ronaldo, and he's going to Juventus. <laughs> hey,
2: well. uh, we're going we're to leave you. We're going to let you go, Michael. Listen, <laughs> my, uh, m- All right, guys. We'll stay in touch. Listen, we'll be listening to you on the Blair Show this week, uh, Monday. Uh, I think from Tuesday to Friday, nine to twelve yeah, on the Fan Five Ninety. Yeah, you got it. And, and uh,
6: Friday,
2: nine to twelve, Fan Five Ninety. And
6: thanks again for having me on, guys. It's, it's always, always a pleasure. Yeah. With you guys.
2: Thanks. Have, have a great day, Michael you Okay, bye. Thank you. Uh, Michael Tracos, just uh, want to thank him. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, travelling around this morning and uh, went out of his way to accommodate us and get us a good sell signal so we could chat with him. So, Michael, thanks very much. We really appreciated that. And as we're running a little bit behind here, we've got Kurt Walker holding, so
4: we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back. After it was the- a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. To be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However, after your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order, and that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics,
0: we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, we will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey.
5: Experience the difference that makes
1: Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning, Kurt Walker. Kurt Walker uh, uh, played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I have, uh, Naz and I have great memories of him from uh, significant Toronto Maple Leaf teams of the mid-1970s. It certainly was a different era back then, uh, but Kurt Walker is uh, still involved with hockey, but he's involved in a way that we want to talk about. Um, he's involved in helping NHL players who perhaps need some assistance. So it's a topic we've talked about on the Nazawale Sports Hour numerous times. It involves injuries, concussions, it involves NHL players adjusting to life after hockey, and Kurt Walker, a former Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman, is devoting a considerable amount of his time and his efforts and his passion to improving the lives of others, and we're certainly thrilled to have him on the show this morning, Kurt. Uh, good morning, and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour.
7: Good morning, guys. How
2: are you? Thank Thanks. you for having me. It's uh, it's great to have you, Kurt. Thanks for joining us. Uh, um, we've talked about certain things that you're involved with, and I want to start it off very simply by talking about an organization that uh, that you work with. You founded. It's called Dignity After Hockey. And there's there's lots of stories uh that you can tell us about your organization. So Kurt, we'll turn it over to you. Please tell us what Dignity After Hockey is doing, uh what it's accomplishing accomplishing and your role in it, please.
7: Uh you know, Nas. thanks for asking me that. It's um it's a situation for me that, um, you know, I I believe it or not, you know, you, you'll find that a lot of guys that played somewhat of an enforcer role in the game are really some of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. And for me, I remember getting out of the game, um, you know, I, 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 I wanted to, right away, I wanted to help guys, uh, especially with transition, you know. They never told us what the transition was going to be like. I mean, you're at the top of your game, you're playing in the NHL. And then one day, boom, it's over. And it's kind of like the, the door slams a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it's a very, very difficult time. It really, really is. You, you know, I mean, if you were to out a lot of resume, what do you put on it? So he gotten your. isn't a lot of dignity at least in the era that i played after the game you know so i thought well why not start dignity after hockey i thought it had a kind of a ring to it because you know like as i said some of us felt like there wasn't any so i started uh in boston uh at the time several years ago with uh Johnny Pine McKenzie, who recently passed, his daughter was uh, very instrumental in helping me, and it became a five hundred one C three foundation, which, as you guys probably know, was a uh, nonprofit tax text, tax free uh, organization. So, now that I had the organization underway and had already looked into the healthcare issue, uh, I partnered with a company out of Detroit, the Society for Professional Athletes. And they were providing health care to former football players, NFL players, and other athletes. So I got in touch with the director. His name was Ben Galloway. And, um, you know, he he said, Kurt, you know, it's going to take me a little time, but, but you know, st- stick with me and, and I'll be in touch. And it took more time than I thought. It, it took well over a year and a half. In fact, it was closer to two years. But he finally provided... For me the opportunity for any player that lives in the states with the exception of three states vermont massachusetts and rhode island um that when the time came for everybody to renew in health care they could and um so you know that information is on is on my website dignity after or i believe it's dot ca both of them and um but after I did that, you know, it's kind of I said to myself because I've always been um, someone that goes after, you know, what he what he wants usually. And I uh, I thought, you know, there's an organization that's providing stem cell to former NFL players that want to avoid invasive surgery. Yet at the same time, obviously they they want to address their issues, whether it's knee. Uh, You know, elbow, shoulder, back, anything. And it would allow them the opportunity to avoid the invasive surgery. However, they could have a stem cell procedure, thanks to Candace Stoltz, who's the president of Premier Regenerative Stem Cell. And um, so we got that up and going. And, And as a result, last year, 18 former NHL players got assistance and had stem cell procedures um with Premier, um the results and post procedure uh information was really important and it was and and it was all mostly yeah i gotta say 95 percent of it was was just great The, the results were great and the guys were very very pleased with it so that's how it all began and uh and and sort of that you know that's where i am today and uh I, you know, obviously trying to do the best I can to, uh, it's kind of a one man show, although Lori is in Boston, but, um, I, you know, i have always trying to raise funds to keep the organization going. That the guys, believe it or not, did played Some of them didn't even have enough money for airfare. They had, they just had to pay to get there. Um, their procedures were, were done at no charge, which was really nice because it's about an $8,000 procedure. So, um, As I said, 18 went through last year, and uh, we were also uh, able to help uh, a player, unfortunately, who has ALS, a former NHL player, uh, Mitch Wilson. So we were able to help him as well. So uh, overall, it's been a good year.
3: Kurt, you played back in uh, the mid-'70s, right? And uh, you fought some of the toughest guys, Dave Schultz, Stan Jonathan. How was your role defined by... uh, Leaf management to you.
7: Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, you know, this, I, I don't, in fact, I don't think anybody knows this. And, uh, when, when, um, you know, I think back to, you know, at the time being an American and playing in the NHL, I mean, my goodness, there was only four or five guys that were Americans at that time. And of course there weren't any Europeans and the enforcer role was something that I, uh, I just. It's weird, because I, have n- I don't think I've ever said this, in- and I was thinking about it the other day. In any radio show or any article I ever did, I never discussed it. Um, I initially was supposed to go to, uh, after you know I had left Northeastern University, uh, where I didn't make the varsity team, unfortunately. <laughs> so I was supposed to go to Kingston, Ontario, the first year they had the uh, Kingston Canadians. Unfortunately, I had a staph infection in my knee, and they were going to amputate my leg at 18. It took me 10 months before I was even able to just start to learn how to basically walk and jog again, and they told me I'd never skate. Well, I don't want to... But long story short, I, I did. I did jump back to the ice obviously, and there was a scout in the stands. I had a fight with a guy in a local league that was in the next town I lived in, and he... I didn't know there was a scout there. After the game, he said, "Hey, there's a team in Sherbrooke looking for somebody that, the tough guy," and I thought, "My God, I've only had one fight." So, <laughs> you guys, and I'm sure most of, us, hopefully, the fans have, you know, looked at the, all the guys and all the, you know, the team I played with back then was Daryl was captain. We had an awesome team. And uh, long story short, I signed a four-year deal as a walk-on um, with Toronto. They sent me to. Um, Oklahoma City where I played for the Blazers and had a number of fights you know almost one every other game just about because I knew at the time that that would get me to the NHL but when I got there uh, I'll never forget um, I'll never forget arriving on a Saturday uh, right after lunch you know in Toronto and I stayed at the time at the Wellington and through the years I just was told I had to become an enforcer. Uh, that was my job. So when I got the call up, uh, you know, it, we were playing Washington at home. And uh, we were playing Philadelphia the next night in Philly. And this is when the Broad Street Bullies had <laughs> there, uh, you know, in a team of intimidation, so to speak. Um, anyway, that sat- Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, in Toronto, I took one shift and I hit the post. I took a shot and I hit the post, I'll never forget it. And uh after the game uh, I heard somebody say, Hey Kurt, uh management I don't wanna mention names, but <laughs> he said, uh, great shift you hit the post
3: but uh, I'm glad you didn't score. <laughs> I kinda looked I kinda looked at him and
7: I went, What well, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you didn't score. He said, we, we,
2: we didn't bring you up here to score goals, and if you had, you would have thought you were a goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> so
7: so the next night, off to Philly, we went.
2: And, that uh, must have been fun.
7: You know, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, it, you, you, you never know
3: what it's like until you head into, at that time, which
7: was, it was, it put, it, you know, a lot of guys, Really didn't like to play in Philly. <laughs> they just they kind of feared it, right? That's when they had they had Dave Schultz and they had Bob Kelly
2: and they had uh, Andre Dupont Ed and, Van and the Watsons and uh, uh, yeah, the
7: Watsons.
2: They had everybody. They were loaded. They were, they were, they were tough guys. Uh, Kurt, uh, I just want to yeah. jump jump in for a second, if I can, and you, yeah. you've sort of segued into an area I wanted to get. I wanted to get to, uh, yeah, you know. Sure. Just keep in mind that we're, uh, we're 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 sports talk radio in Toronto here. But Nas and I are uh, we're old enough to remember uh, all of all of the hijinks from the from the mid nineteen seventies, and I remember hey. we were we were thrilled. Because we were getting, we were sort of tired of having Philly beat up, uh, beat up the Leafs in those days. And uh, when when you came in, and I, I'm going to tell you something. This may be the first time you've ever heard this from anybody, but, uh, uh, and I don't want you to be offended, Kurt. Uh, but we had, trust me, I will. Don't won't. be offended. Don't be offended. <laughs> no. uh, but I'm I'm speaking from the heart here. We had a nickname for you. Uh, this is a, and we've never forgotten the nickname we had. And I'm just going to share it with you and with our listeners. But, no, but our our it, nick it. our nickname for you was Kurt Kill, okay? <laughs> so uh, uh, you, some people might uh, obviously we couldn't use that name in today's world, and that in a, in a, in a no. certain sense it just shows you how much the world has changed in the in the last 40 years. We you know we used to call you Kurt Kill, and we thought that was funny. Of course, we were we were we were teenagers, uh, you know, overladen with too much testosterone in those days. So <laughs> we we sort of thought that was funny. I guess today it's not it's not so much it's not so funny anymore, uh, given what we know. Uh, and and this brings it back to you. Uh, you know, you've you know, you were brought in to do a certain role, uh, and there's no no shying away from that. You were brought in to. I guess, defend your teammates or to beat other people up. And as, a um, con- as a consequence of that, you suffered 17 surgeries.
7: Uh, I have, and I've added, I've added to that list. And you've added to bit. that
2: list. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was a different world back then, and we're still dealing With the ramifications of that world in the modern world, we're still dealing with the Danny Carcillos of the world and the Nick Boyntons who are out there, and you're out there, saying there's something wrong, that we should not allow our hockey players to be injured in the way that we allow them to be injured, and we need to take care of them in a better way. Um, Any regrets uh, in terms of how... What happened to you? And what can the NHL do better today?
7: You know, uh, that's a great, uh, you hit on some great points. And I have to tell you, um, looking back, do I have any regrets? No, I, I don't have any regrets. Any regrets? And people say, well, well would you do it again? And I, yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah I'd probably do it again. Um, it was a different game, certainly. Um you know, we all had our roles. Mine was to make sure that, you know, guys like Boria, you know, and and uh, Lanny and, 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 you know, some of the guys. Look, we <clears throat> if Philadelphia could do that, why couldn't Toronto? And uh, we had Tiger, who was a great player, and to fight. We didn't need him off the ice. So me, well, I was just an okay player, but, you know, I I learned to be effective at what I did, and that was to protect, you know, my teammates. And if you remember back then, which I know you guys do, I think, too, uh, we played the Flyers twice and went seven games Mm -hmm. in series with them. And one of those years, I believe, was the year they won the Cup. Uh, And we were ahead, I think, going into the third period. Uh, My memory, unfortunately, is a little off, but... um, Go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: I, I, I remember that like it was yesterday.
7: Yeah, and you know, it gave the fans and certainly Toronto Brass, it, it, it gave uh, all of everyone uh, an
3: opportunity to to to, to really have some, some hope because
7: back then we may have been one or two players away from a cup team, but in 78, the year we beat the Islanders in seven games. And I know you remember in <laughs> overtime, Lanny scored... <laughs> Sure do. Um, After that year, Ballard hired Punch Imlek and he traded it. He didn't finish until he traded Daryl for Rich Costello. No, <laughs> that was the no. last trade, which pretty much ended. I mean, they got rid of all of us that, that, right after. And we were one or two players away from a cup team. But, you know, that said. I think one of the most difficult things, too, that the guys like Danny Carcillo and 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 Boynton, the other guys, you know, you're used to being in a world where you're on top of your game. Uh, you know, you're recognized by people um, everywhere uh, you Kurt, go. You Kurt, know, somebody wants
2: to fight. Kurt, I yeah. just I just want to interrupt them. I really apologize. I just want to. Warn- yeah. we have got about 45 seconds left, so I'm just going to ask you if you could oh, just wrap yeah. up, please. Sorry about yeah. that.
7: Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. So so uh, what I was going to say was I think transition plays a large part in some of these guys that are, are are having a tough time. But more importantly, the NHL needs to address the concussion issue that the class action There's some guys out there that really need help. And um, unfortunately, you know, dignity after hockey
2: isn't able to provide what the guys need when it comes to concussions. Uh, we've been talking oh. sorry Kurt uh, I, we, I I just find this conversation fascinating. I wish we I really do wish we had more time and uh, yeah. we we'd love yeah, to Kurt. have you back. We certainly would, yeah. but uh, the producers Anytime. get the producer's giving me the signal, so uh, I'll do the civilized. Yeah. I'll do the civilized thing and say thank you so much. Uh, keep up the gr- keep up the great work you're doing. you're doing some very valuable work improving the lives. Of, of your fellow players, some of whom you played with and some who played before you and some who played after you. You're doing you're doing great work, Kurt, and we thank you so much.
3: And Kurt, you're welcome to come in any time. We talked about uh, you're going to be in Toronto in August if you're you know, around this area. I'm,
7: I'd love to. Well, well I'm certainly trying to come in for sure. Anyways,
2: okay. we've been talking to Kurt Walker. Thanks so much, Kurt. That, uh, of course, Kurt Walker. And as we got to go, I give you the last 10 seconds next
3: player for the Toronto Maple Leafs will be P.K. Subban.
2: Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to address that, so I'll address that next week. To all our loyal listeners, have a safe and fabulous rest of the weekend. Thanks so much for listening in.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.